0: Mm. Mm-hmm. you. pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. Today we're going to do a uh, Fixing Fable on John 3.16. I still think we
1: should have some kind of na-na-na-na-na-na or a little d- gong. You ever hear the story Piper shared of his dad's radio show? Uh-uh. Yeah, he had like a, a radio ministry and he, he, he told a story that his mom... Uh, would play the xylophone, the wooden xylophone, and that was kind of like their lead-in, dung, 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 dun. But he described it hilariously. He's like, and, and her uh, arm, the back of her arm, were kind of flappy, and he's like, they'd be flapping and she'd be banging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is what the kid would look at.
1: Yeah, the whole room erupted. <laughs> I couldn't believe he just said that. But that's kind of what a picture is, a little wooden phone, doom, 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 and
0: now it's time for fixing papers. You got any marimba players at your church? Is that or what they're called, marimba? Yeah.
1: Well, see that shows how I know nothing and you know something about music. No, we don't have. I don't wouldn't know. I didn't even know that was called a marimba. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow,
0: well, John, John three sixteen. Yeah. Every kid knows it. Yep. So this is. Uh, I'll just read it. In case you don't, uh, you heathen. Uh, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So here is that, of course, beloved verse that is memorized by so many Christians. It's shared to people in the process of evangelizing them. And uh, the exhortation is that they, they just need to believe in Jesus. And of course, they'll be saved. Usually it's accompanied by... Ephesians two eight nine, where they explain it is apart from any good works and it's just faith alone, and we would say that is fine and right. Yeah, we would and correct. But this verse gets used in a it gets used in a few other ways uh, that makes makes it an important passage to understand well. A lot of what we would call fables are supported by misusing this verse, and so we're going to try and deal with it in a little bit more detail. Uh, you will find videos and articles about how this passage proves free will uh, of man in salvation uh, or how this destroys Calvinism, usually by people who simply show no real understanding of what that means, um, very possibly because the so-called Calvinist doesn't really know what he is talking about. Another common point is that this proves that Jesus died for everyone because whoever is willing to believe is saved. And, um, and he, God loved the world, right? So Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then last but not least, it's used to prove or at least try to prove that God loves everyone the same and wants to save everyone if if he will allow it by believing.
1: Yeah, so those are just some of the ways you hear it and we just shake our head and say, no, 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 that's not making that point. But uh, what we'll do now is just break the passage down. Uh, it has three basic parts to it. For God so loved the world is the first part. Uh, then it the, uh, the clause that he gave his only begotten son, and then the final clause that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, uh, that, that's the basic breakdown. The word for, in the for God so loved, uh, points us, as, as you should know by now, uh, backward to the prior verses. He is simply enlarging on his point that in Jesus, salvation is found for those who believe. Uh, now, we get into a couple of terms then that get used in all sorts of ways in the English. Uh, they are the word so and the word world. Um, this clause is simple to understand and it's basic. God loved the world. And it's worth noting that loved is in the aorist tense rather than the present tense. Uh, most people use this verse and turn it into God love, meaning loving, present the world. Um, But then, and they change it a bit more and say, God loves you. Uh, But neither of those are actually in the passage per se. Uh, We would not argue either of them theologically to be false, but that's just not what the text is actually saying. So, what does the word so mean? Often you hear it described in an emotional manner God loves you so much um or like that one saying goes God loves you so much that he stretched out his hands and died i hate that one um it's it's as bad as a footprints in the sand. You know that one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, if you don't know, just look it up. But it's bad. Anyhow, the emphasis is on how immense the love of God is for us, and that's how they mean what they mean when they see the word "so." Um, but the term actually is a, a, a Greek term "houtos" um, or "houtos." Huto, actually, it means simply "thus" or "in this manner." In other words, it ex- it's actually explaining how. God loved the world. It's not some vague manner or emotional manner where he gave the world a big virtual hug. Rather, he loved in this manner. Yeah. And, and that's the key.
0: Yeah. So, so then we ask, uh, what does world mean in this passage? And there are all sorts of ways people will deal with that term. And sometimes Reformed types like to say it means the world of the elect. Um, that's creative, Um, (laughs) but but it's not found actually in the text or in the context. Uh, That is a pure theological assumption. Others say it is every single person who ever lived, that's what the world is, but that is not what is found here either. Uh, What it does do is make a rather shocking statement to Nicodemus, uh, to whom Jesus is talking in this passage. Uh, It shows that God does not merely look upon Israel with favor um, remember they, they were the chosen nation uh, but too often this is made uh, this made them to assume that God has no love for the Gentiles that's how you'd be thinking if you were an Israelite um, but the word the, the word world it's it's the Greek word cosmos and can mean many things even this globe that we live on but John uses the term, you speak of the whole of mankind that's alienated from God. So, he uses it in a technical sense. He yeah. speaks of yeah. that system. In other words, that's opposed to God, his will, and his ways. So, you see it in passages like John 1, verses 9 through 10, uh, here was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Um, or John 3, 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Or in chapter six, verse 33, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And so, so here is, is the part of this verse expanded. If you understand the word world in this sense, it, it should be something like for this reason, God loved the fallen world of humanity or that system that was opposed to him and in such a manner. Right. Um, And and so, with that, then now we can consider the next part, which is that he gave his only begotten son. Right. So, he
1: loved the fallen world in a certain way. What was that way? And so... That he gave his only begotten son now the key term here for our purpose is again just a simple word it 's the word that uh, there are many uh, there are other things in this clause that are important to think about and understand such as the begotten son but that would be for a different podcast because those are not usually um, issues. Um, the word that, though, in the Greek is actually a relatively rare construction in the New Testament. In fact, John only uses it once in his gospel, and the emphasis is that of a practical result. So the word that here is a practical result. John is saying that as a result of God loving the world, he gave. He gave something or someone, actually. In fact, we would encourage you to take your Bible and circle this word and make a note in the margin that says that it means result. So now we can expand our interpretive translation a bit more. For this reason, God loved the fallen world of humanity in such a manner that the result was that he gave his only begotten son. Now you can hear the relationship between two. Between the so loved and the that uh, God loved in such a manner that something happened as a result. We like to say that we love people, but when uh, that love is observed, it's not uncommon to find it has. Um, or yeah, when that claim to love is observed, it's it's not uncommon to find that it has nice words but no actionable result. Right? Yeah. I can tell a person, yeah, I really love you, but it's like. Uh, I, I can't point to anything that shows that I might have an affection or good feeling toward you, but that's not what's being uh, done here. Sort of like what James would say in James 2.16 when he says, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? That would be a long way of just saying you're claiming to love and you're giving them a word of blessing, but you're not meeting a practical need. So don't say that you're Mm -hmm. giving them blessing. So, though we are by definition dead in our sin, and by nature we're not seeking God, and by nature we are at enmity with God and utterly helpless in sin, we find God declaring that he loves us, and that this love, found only in his own free will, moved him to give his son. It wasn't, I love you because you're such a lovable little guy, I'm going to, send christ to die for you no it's within his own self there's nothing in us but yeah. that god still freely chose to love in that in a way that is we can touch and feel we can look at christ and say that is what love is
0: which is why we call it a sovereign love yeah it, it begins within himself yeah and that actually creates something it causes him to do something so finally then we come to the last part of the passage and here we have two terms that that have to be addressed uh, though there's much more in this section that you know we could say, but we 'll just have to pass over the first term is the word that again <laughs> <laughs> um, but but this is not the same word as used before the one that you just explained right. this is this is the conjunction hinna um, and this one speaks now to purpose so so you could read this last clause like this for for the purpose that um and again, we would encourage you to circle that word and make a note in your margin that is showing purpose. The second term, uh, it's a couple of words in the Greek. It's Um What does that mean to you? Uh, listen to it in very literal translation. You could say uh, each believing one or every believing one. And, and so you need to understand what's happening here. John takes us away from that broad perspective of the world and now brings the focus upon... Each of us now as individuals, and it has it has nothing to do with whosoever or whoever like it's commonly translated, translated yeah. in the sense that you know God now has has done his part in saving us, and now we need to do our part. And so who's, whoever is willing or desiring or something like that to believe, um, then they'll get saved. Rather, it's simply declaring that each person who does believe that God gave His Son in the manner described in the Bible, they shall not be destroyed,
1: but be rescued. Right, so here's the point of that por- portion of the verse. It's not saying whoever happens to believe ends up saved. Rather, it's giving the assurance that all who have and will believe throughout time will be saved, not because they believe, per se, uh not in the primary sense at least, but rather that throughout the Bible, the call was always to believe the message and promises of God. But how can we have confidence that we will be saved? Or more importantly to me is how do we know that Noah was saved or Caleb or Rahab? I mean, they're marked out, uh, at least two of them were marked out in Hebrews 11 as champions of faith, right? Um, They believed. So, is it the belief that saves them? No, no. They're saved because they believe God, but also because God eventually, in time and space, actually dealt with their sin. How? By giving his son. And so, the emphasis is the the way one has saved, who's ever, throughout time, from Adam all the way to the end, whoever has believed in God and believed his promises, the promise is salvation because it's found in Christ. So, That final part then is able to give us a lot of joy because instead of perishing, which literally does mean being made undone completely or destroyed, instead we get to share in the life that belongs to God eternal life. And so there it is. It's a very beloved verse that's so filled with great meaning that is too often missed because we import our own theology rather than just simply letting it say what it actually says. And so we hope that helps uh, you. It helps, helps you to continue to rest in Christ and also to call others to repentance in faith in Christ alone. But don't try to use it as a proof that God has given us free will or something else. That's not what it's talking about. Fair enough. Fair enough.